The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution. Book 1, The Feast of Pikes, Chapter 5, Clubism. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 1, Chapter 5, Clubism. Where the heart is full, it seeks, for a thousand reasons, in a thousand ways, to impart itself. How sweet! Indispensable in such cases is fellowship, soul mystically strengthening soul. The meditative Germans, some think, have been of opinion that enthusiasm in the general means simply excessive congregating, schwärmerei, or swarming. At any rate, do we not see glimmering half-embers, if laid together, get into the brightest white glow? In such a France, gregarious reunions will needs multiply, intensify. French life will step out of doors and from domestic become a public club life. Old clubs, which already germinated, grow and flourish. New everywhere bud forth. It is the sure symptom of social unrest. In such way, most infallibly of all, does social unrest exhibit itself, find solacement and also nutriment. In every French head there hangs now, whether for terror or for hope, some prophetic picture of a new France, prophecy which brings, nay, which almost is its own fulfilment, and in all ways, consciously and unconsciously, works towards that. Observe, moreover, how the aggregative principle, let it be but deep enough, goes on aggregating, and this even in a geometrical progression. How, when the whole world in such a plastic time is forming itself into clubs, some one club, the strongest or luckiest, shall, by friendly attracting, by victorious compelling, grow ever stronger, till it becomes immeasurably strong, and all the others with their strength be either lovingly absorbed into it, or hostilely abolished by it. This if the club spirit is universal, if the time is plastic. Plastic enough is the time, universal, the club spirit. Such an all-absorbing paramount one club cannot be wanting. What a progress since the first salient point of the Breton Committee. It worked long in secret, not languidly. It has come with the National Assembly to Paris, calls itself club, calls itself, in imitation, as is thought, of those generous Price Stanhope English, French Revolution Club but soon, with more originality, Club of Friends of the Constitution. Moreover, it has leased for itself, at a fair rent, the whole of the Jacobins' convent, one of our superfluous edifices, and does therefrom now, in these spring months, begin shining out on an admiring Paris. And so, by degrees, under the shorter, popular title of Jacobins' Club, it shall become memorable to all times and lands. Glance into the interior. Strongly, yet modestly benched and seated, as many as thirteen hundred chosen patriots, assembly members, not a few. By Nave, the two Lammaths are seen here, occasionally Mirabeau, perpetually Robespierre. Also the ferret visage of Fouquier Tanville with other attorneys. Anacarsis of Prussian Scythia and miscellaneous patriots, though all is yet in the most perfectly clean-washed state, decent, nay, dignified. 
President on platform, President's bell are not wanting, oratorical tribune high-raised, nor strangers' galleries wherein also sit women. Has any French antiquarian society preserved that written lease of the Jacobins' convent hall? Or was it unluckier even than Magna Carta clipped by sacrilegious tailors? Universal history is not indifferent to it. These friends of the Constitution have met mainly, as their name may foreshadow, to look after elections when an election comes, and procure fit men, but likewise to consult generally that the Commonweal take no damage, one as yet sees not how. For indeed let two or three gather together anywhere, if it be not in church where all are bound to the passive state, no mortal can say accurately, themselves as little as any, for what they are gathered. How often has the broached barrel proved not to be for joy and heart effusion, but for duel and head-breakage, and the promised feast become a feast of the lapithai? This Jacobin's club, which at first shone resplendent and was thought to be a new celestial sun for enlightening the nations, had, as things all have, to work through its appointed phases. It burned, unfortunately, more and more lurid, more sulphurous, distracted, and swam at last through the astonished heavens like a Tartarian portent and lurid-burning prison of spirits in pain. Its style of eloquence? Rejoice, reader, that thou knowest it not, that thou canst never perfectly know. The Jacobins published a journal of debates, where they that have the heart may examine impassioned, full-droning, patriotic eloquence, implacable, unfertile, safer destruction, which was indeed its work, most wearisome, though most deadly. Be thankful that oblivion covers so much, that all carrion is by and by buried in the green earth's bosom, and even makes her grow the greener. The Jacobins are buried, but their work is not. It continues making the tour of the world as it can. It might be seen lately, for instance, with bared bosom and death-defiant eye, as far on as Greek miscellany. And strange enough, old slumbering Hellas was resuscitated into somnambulism, which will become clear wakefulness by a voice from the Rue Saint-Honore. All dies, as we often say, except the spirit of man, of what man does. Thus has not the very house of the Jacobins vanished, scarcely lingering in a few old men's memories. The St. Honore market has brushed it away, and now, where dull droning eloquence, like a trump of doom, once shook the world, there is pacific chaffering for poultry and greens. The sacred National Assembly Hall itself has become common ground, President's platform permeable to wane and dustcart, for the Rue de Rivoli runs there. Verily at cock-crow, of this cock or the other, all apparitions do melt and dissolve in space. The Paris Jacobins became the Mother Society, Societe Mère, and had as many as three hundred shrill-tongued daughters in direct correspondence with her. Of indirectly corresponding what we may call granddaughters and minute progeny, she counted forty-four thousand. But for the present we note only two things, the first of them a mere anecdote. One night a couple of brother Jacobins are doorkeepers, for the members take this post of duty and honour in rotation and admit none that have not tickets. 
One doorkeeper was the worthy Sieur Lai, a patriotic opera singer, stricken in years, whose windpipe is long since closed without result. The other, young and named Louis-Philippe, d'Orléans' firstborn, has, in this latter time, after unheard-of destinies, become citizen-king, and struggles to rule for a season. All flesh is grass, higher reed grass or creeping herb. The second thing we have to note is historical, that the mother society, even in this its effulgent period, cannot content all patriots. Already it must throw off, so to speak, two dissatisfied swarms, a swarm to the right, a swarm to the left. One party, which thinks the Jacobins lukewarm, constitutes itself into a club of the Cordelier, a hotter club. It is Danton's element, with whom goes Desmoulins. The other party, again, which thinks the Jacobins scalding hot, flies off to the right and becomes Club of 1789, Friends of the Monarchic Constitution. They are afterwards named Faillon's Club, their place of meeting being the Faillon's Convent. Lafayette is, or becomes, their chief man, supported by the respectable patriot everywhere, by the mass of property and intelligence, with the most flourishing prospects. They, in these June days of 1790, do, in the Palais Royal, dine solemnly, with open windows, to the cheers of the people, with toasts, with inspiriting songs, with one song at least among the feeblest ever sung. They shall, in due time, be hooted forth over the borders, into Sumerian night. Another expressly monarchic or royalist club, Club des Monarchiens, though a club of ample funds and all sitting in damask sofas, cannot realise the smallest momentary cheer, realises only scoffs and groans, till, ere long, certain patriots in disorderly sufficient number proceed thither for a night or for nights and groan it out of pain. Vivacious alone shall the mother society and her family be. The very Cordelia's may, as it were, return into her bosom, which will have grown warm enough. Fatal-looking. Are not such societies an incipient new order of society itself? The aggregative principle, a new at work in a society grown obsolete, cracked asunder, dissolving into rubbish and primary atoms. End of Book One Chapter 5